Welcome back in to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant, and Andrew the Earl in the house. Glad to have you back in. Just, I don't know, I know that after the football season, I don't guess we said, Andrew, you, you're still welcome anytime. <laughs> And now we have some extra room in here. You're, you're not well, stuck in a corner where you can't leave. I'm still upset over what oh, happened. Aren't we And all? just everything kind of on my business side of my life has been kind of shaken up lately. Yeah. So there hasn't been a lot of time. But it's good to see you guys again. It's good to have you with us, man. We It's been too long. It has. Yeah. This next segment, I was perusing the athletic as I like to do quite often and I come across a really intriguing story about you know the NIL specifically here in Tennessee because there is there's a company that is essentially uh, used to you couldn't have a name on the back of your jersey if you bought a replica jersey or whatever or you couldn't put a player's face on a t-shirt and sell it or whatever. Now you can do all that. It, it's the wild west. And so I thought, let's get the full, let's just get it told to me because sometimes reading comprehension, not my strong suit. So we reached out and found the author of said story, David Ubbin of the athletic. And he joins us now, David, thanks for taking some time. And I, I'm really intrigued about this, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, this um, I had not seen this article. Um, Chris had encouraged me to read it, especially since we were having you on. I figured it might be a good idea. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, Spire Sports is a Tennessee-centric college sports collective that is really been based out of the NIL concept. I mean, they, they would not be in existence were it not for that. And my concern, I guess, David, having not gone to a major college like a UT and looking at the impact that these guys are trying to have is this, this will further distance the haves and the have-nots. Is that right? I really don't think so. I mean, I, I think the money difference has already been huge. Um, and I think everybody is going to still have similar amounts of money, maybe a little bit more. It's just going to be redirected. And instead of paying for a new paint job on the east side of the stadium or uh, some new chair backs or some additional seats or, uh, you know, a raise for the coach or whoever, uh, some of that money is going to be going to players. Um I don't think it's going to do much to the competitive balance. I don't think it's going to do much to the growing financial gap uh, between players. Ultimately, all the big schools still only have 25 scholarships a year to give out. So I think ultimately this is a, a redirecting of funds. Uh, I think you might see some upward mobility from schools that have um, enough money to outpace some of their uh, challenges, whether that's in-state recruiting talent or a, a smaller fan base or whatnot. If you've got a a handful of really big boosters that might give you uh, a boost, <laughs> to, to borrow a phrase. But I think ultimately, 
things are going to look pretty similar because the places that care about college football the most are the places that are most often most successful. And, and I think this is just basically um, the sort of the same ball game. I, I mean, I think I phrased it the story. Money's always fueled college football. Just that money is going into a, a whole different engine. And that transition is happening right now. Explain exactly what Spire is doing and how they are, I guess, attached to the University of Tennessee specifically in this collective. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not attached. I think that's a key distinguisher. I mean, ultimately, in a sentence, fans of varying economic status give them money and then they offer deals to players in exchange for appearances at events that those fans have access to, um, sometimes autographs and memorabilia or social media posts. And in a nutshell, that's sort of what they do. And by it being a collective, basically Spire does the legwork mm-hmm. in recruiting different entities rather than the players having to do that or make themselves accessible to those entities or the entities having to approach the players, the the collective does that legwork of identifying businesses that might be interested in, do, in getting involved in NIL and then takes it to the players. Is that – am I describing that correctly? No, not really. There's not a lot of businesses involved. Oh, really? It's okay. more – donors with Tennessee's interest Mm. involved. So if a player wants an apartment as part of his deal, they have relationships with builders in Knoxville. They say, hey, we got you an apartment. This is part of your package. If a player wants a car, you know, they have uh, relationships with donors in Memphis that own car dealerships and say, hey, here's this car, this is whatever you want. Um, It it all kind of works through them. And again, their deliverable is showing up at events that they run that those fans and donors of whatever level can have varying levels of access to it. Um, and that's sort of, you know, where you get your, your, your payments and your deliverable from that quid pro quo is really all that's required, um, by the NCAA as NIL exists right now. Wow. Okay. Certainly interesting because what, what we're seeing and, you know, you, you wrote this in the story is that it's, it's likely you're going to see something like this for every single school in the power five in the very near future. How do these, and maybe they don't, I'm not sure, but so when Spire has these, these Hindo Cinco t-shirts made and they've got the UT branding on it, are they licensing that through the same licensing company that's always licensed material and logos? Uh, so Tennessee, they're, it's different for every school, but Tennessee, their particular brand is basically just act and get it signed off on. Gotcha. Um, they're not going to just give you free range over their logo. But they, from what I understand, have not been real stingy about that. Uh, I think they just want to make sure and they know everywhere their logo is going to be used and not just free range so that, you know, if somebody does something with a company that, that's going to be embarrassing for them, they can say, uh, hold on. <laughs> sure. Um, so... Ultimately, uh, all the licensing and those kind of things are uh, are they have to sign off from. But Tennessee wouldn't really be motivated for any reason to to lock that down. But basically, you know, so Hayden Hooker would have. I'm sure he probably. I don't know exactly the terms of his contract. I'm sure he might get a, a some cut of sales of those t-shirts. But he would, he's on essentially like a retainer. Gotcha. He's getting you know a certain amount of money 
for his, you know, appearances and NIL events and autographs and all that stuff. And then uh, he might get a cut of the sales of the, of the T-shirts. I, I don't know about that exactly, but uh, he's 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 uh, he's doing good right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, clearly, um, it it's been said that you know the schools can't orchestrate these these NIL deals on the front end, but it seems like to me I, I can see a scenario where if someone is on a recruiting trip that there would be some free time built into their visit where they would be able to consult with a Spire Sports or someone like that where wherever it is that they are visiting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no there's rules against media uh, being on these on these uh, you know being on official visits or being on recruiting trips and that kind of stuff. But for these sort of independent groups, there's no rule against that. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something they can do. They can also go visit recruits, which I didn't know was happening. Really, really interesting. That's something they may want to do more, uh, more of as they uh, kind of grow this thing out and 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 try to build more relationships with some of these guys. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's a whole new world, um, and that's kind of what we wanted to write about. That these situations are are something that we have not seen in college football ever. Besides Spire and the University of Tennessee, Dave, um, who mm-hmm. who else are you aware of that has a similar type organization to to this? I think right now there's about 28 around the country. Uh, Florida has uh, two, I believe. Auburn has one. Uh, interestingly, Alabama and Georgia do not have a public collective. A and M also does not have a public collective. Um, but that would be news to some folks. Well, well, public collective is different than, uh, I guess if you want to call them a shadow collective, because certainly, uh, money is flowing there from A&M, but they're, you know, there's not like Tennessee and like a lot of these places, like the Gator collective, uh, Texas tech just launched the Matador club. They've had a bunch of, a lot of these, they have websites set up to say, Hey, you can donate here. And it's very sort of public and very easy to access. Some of these are not quite like that. Texas, Actually, it's three collectives and a baseball-only collective, which is really interesting. Um, but ultimately, I, you know, you mentioned competitive balance. I think more so, it's not that having one is going to allow you to climb the ladder. I think for some people, it might. Tennessee's a little bit ahead of the game right now, and maybe that can help them because they're well-organized and, and well-funded right now, certainly more so than, than most. Um, but ultimately, a year or two from now, if you have not embraced this, and you can just sort of say, well, you know, we got some guys who have some deals. You don't have some, some kind of firm talks and some understanding of what deals are going to be like day one on campus. It's going to be hard for you to recruit. It just is. Um, so I think ultimately, more so than the upward mobility, I think the danger is places that don't embrace this, that don't have collectives, that stand in the way of their collectives, make it hard for them um, to, to help finance. Uh, you know, guys and get money to guys are, are going to fall behind. I feel pretty confident in that. This is the new frontier of the college football arms race. It's like saying, well, we don't need an indoor facility, you know, 10, 15 years ago when everybody's building on there. This is where it is now. Speaking with David Ubbin of, David Ubbin of The Athletic here on Main Street Sports Today. Uh, David, as you look at this new frontier, this new wild, wild west, uh, are the collectives going to be recruiting against those development 
departments at the local universities in these cases? I mean, are they swimming in the same pool in terms of who they're trying to, um, for lack of a better phrase, extract money from? Yeah, that's where I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, Spire talked a little bit about how Tennessee, they have had the attitude of a rising tide lifts all boats. And so, if, you know, in a lot of cases, donors are giving in addition to what they give to the university, um, but not all cases. And if they divert some money right now, Tennessee feels okay with that because they feel like, hey, if it fuels us having a better college football program, it's all going to even out in the end. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case at all 130 FBS schools or, you know, 70 P5 schools. Uh, and I think it might be different if a major donor decides, hey, I'm going to take all my money out of Tennessee fund and move it into NIL. I could see that being an issue. Um, but right now it hasn't been a problem. And I think that will be a friction moving forward because this is a paradigm shift in college sports. And again, you know, some guys might say, well, why do I want to finance stadium upgrades when I can give my money directly to making sure that we get that four-star linebacker or that five-star quarterback? I think that's really attractive for a lot of people. David, one last question, and this is this is the one that I think is going to be the shocker to ever. How much money are we really talking about here? Uh, I mean, I think the going rate for the 2023 class, uh, we've heard from multiple people, about $10 million if you want to have a big-time class, and that number is going to go up. And, you know, the majority of the deals that Spire did uh, with, with, with recruits in this incoming class were for uh, six digits. Um, so that's pretty sizable money. That's real money um, that can have real effects, and that's only going to go up because, again, this is an arms race. It just is, and I don't know where the end is, but I know it's not $10 million. $20 million? Is it $25 million? I'm not sure. The Spire is in the space, and this is their um, their baby, and, and they have said you know they're, they're prepared and expecting that their budget needs to be $25 million in the very near future, and, and they're – you know, they've hired political fundraisers to, to that end, and, and they're they're getting pretty serious about that. So you mean $10 million per class? Per class, per year, okay. yeah. Annually, and it's only going and, and that's And that's just football, right? Uh, that would be, well, I guess in theory it could be anything else. That's kind of what they were talking about is their, their budget for the recruiting, yeah. Uh, and that can change once guys get on campus, and, and if they blow up and their deals get bigger. Uh, you know, maybe a basketball guy or two, some chipping in on women's basketball or baseball. Um, but I think that $10 million in general is, is pretty uh, baseline for an elite recruiting class in the class of 2023. Because in the class of 2022, you know, this really didn't take shape until the fall, you know, November, October-ish, where guys realized they had a lot of leverage and could, could really make some money out of this. Um, because again, NIL didn't come until July and it took people some time to get that. And so for this last recruiting class, you know, I think, uh, Spire said that they had serious contact with nine recruits and Tennessee signed seven of them, but this is going to be the first full recruiting class where recruits know the money is out there. They know they have leverage and the guys who waited to commit had a lot more leverage in the last class. But this year, you know, it's a, it's a free for all as it always is, you know, for, you know, a year before signing day. So um, you know, guys are going to have leverage and can negotiate and it's, you know, the money's exploding. You know, people always want to know what's the money now compared to the black market. Well, you had to be careful negotiating, you know, in the, in the previous years where your eligibility was at risk because you hurt somebody's feelings, um, or leave somebody angry. They can blow the whistle, but there's no whistle to blow now. You can, you can negotiate pretty confidently and figure out what your value is. If you're a five-star quarterback or, 
you know, a top 150 recruit, you're going to have real value compared to maybe a three-star punter or a three-star running back or whatever. It just sort of depends. So um, it's, a, it's a new world and people that adjust to it and uh, move forward and uh, embrace it are going to have a lot more success than people who are clamoring for, quite frankly, a college football that doesn't exist anymore. That said, David Ubbin of The Athletic, before we let you go, how much longer before we get agents at the collegiate level? I mean, they're already happening right now. There's plenty of agents that are out there. I mean, Bryce Young had an agent last July. Um, so, uh, you know, he's repped by CAA. Uh, so but a bunch of players already have agents as it stands right now. Um, you know, it's just going to kind of depend on can an agent get you more money? Um, do you have a lot of media crush? Do you have a lot of people calling you up and you need somebody to sort through it, sort through what you're going to do? Um, so it's going to be very different. It's going to be decisions, you know, independently from every guy. Every player is not going to have agents, uh, an agent, but a bunch of players will. A bunch of players already do. Yep. It's a weird, weird, weird world we live in now. Think of all <laughs> the things, the, the tattoos and the the Maurice Clarets of the world, the Jim Trestles of the world, all looking, going, hey, I was just ahead of my time. <laughs> Anyway, David, I thanks. I think too few people just didn't, didn't, you know, they heard this guy broke the rules and not enough people stopped and thought about how stupid the rules were for a long time. <laughs> uh, if you were, if you were building up college football from scratch, I know people aren't always the most comfortable with this new world, but if you were building up college football from, from scratch, it would look a lot more than it, like it does right now than it did five years ago. If you built that five years ago and you said, okay, these programs are going to make a hundred, $150 million in some cases. And the players are going to get a scholarship and aren't allowed to make any money outside of that. That's an evil, unjust system. The current system, people might be uncomfortable with it, but it makes a lot more sense. And it's certainly far more fair and equitable. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sensitive to people who aren't quite sure where this is going and aren't quite sure what this all kind of means. But ultimately, you know, when you've been restricting the free market for uh, pretty much the entirety of your enterprise, and then you flip on the fire hose, basically with two weeks' notice, uh, well, there's going to be some upheaval, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now, and we'll see how this all goes when it shakes out uh, in the long run. Speaking of innovations to football, we'll tell you what our top five football innovations would be. Thanks for taking some time, David. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We'll be right back after a 30-second break here on Main Street Sports Today to give you our top five, so stick around. 